Max Sports episode 17 coming at you here today. I have some fun topics to share with you, kind of some more future NFL talk. But before we get that started, I wanted to address the XFL and its debut weekend, as you could say. Now, it is still in the process of going as there are, you know, as I am recording, there's still one game left. It's their primetime matchup, if you want to say it, because it is, you know, the time where everyone will be able to watch this game. And it's the DC Defenders and the Seattle Sea Dragons. Now, I'll keep it short because I know not everyone is big of an XFL fan. Uh, not saying as I am. I mean, I'm just as much as the NFL. I think that this is their, this is supposed to be their like Cowboys Giants equivalent. The DC Defenders and the Seattle Sea Dragons. Now, why do I think that? I think DC, it's a huge market. It's probably the biggest market out of all of these teams. And then when it comes to talent-wise, a lot of bigger names are on the Seattle Sea Dragons, like Josh Gordon, who obviously it feels like it was forever ago, but was thought to be one of the most elite wide receivers in the NFL before his drug suspensions really derailed his career. So I think that this is supposed to be them showing what peak XFL football is. And right now it's an 8-9 game at halftime, so I don't know if it really has viewers on the edge of their seats. But, again, only time will tell. I do have a fun, interesting fact I wanted to share, though, about one of the quarterbacks for for this league. And that would be for the Orlando Guardians quarterback, Paxton Lynch. Unfortunately, he had gotten benched in his first start. Now, if people don't remember the name, Paxton Lynch, he was a huge, huge name when it came to his year when he was getting drafted into the NFL. He was a first-round pick to the Denver Broncos. It feels I'm going to say a year that's wrong, but I feel like it was like 2017, maybe 2016, I'm having a hard time remembering now, but he was a huge name coming out of Memphis. And the Broncos traded up to get him in the first round of the draft. And he was an absolute bust. One of the, probably the biggest quarterback busts that have gone in the first round in a, in a good amount of time. He immediately was losing reps to Trevor Simeon, who was, I think it was like a six round or undrafted free agent out of Northwestern who won the starting job. And he just never really got a, not only got a chance, but when he had chances in the NFL, never really showed up. So after bouncing around, which after looking at his track record, apparently is every football league that's existed, Paxton Lynch has done something that your favorite quarterback has never done before. Paxton Lynch now has a thrown interception in the NFL, the USFL, the CFL, and the XFL. He's been everywhere, and he's accomplished it at all levels. NFL, out of this country in the CFL, he's he's blowing my mind with his abilities. Now, I don't want to crap on him too much. The reason why? He can throw a football better than I ever will in my entire life, and I don't think it's fair to rip on that guy too much because, again, he is more talented at football than I will ever be. I just thought it was a fun little little gag, and I liked seeing, you know, interesting, weird stats like that. Unfortunately, though, I think his days of a quarterback might be done. Main reason why is this is now, what, his, like, fifth football league he's been a part of? And he just put up another stinker 
again, you know, in in the XFL. I don't know what the X means, but I just kind of think of it as an expanded football league. It's not really the big leagues that'll, you know, set you up generationally. But he's not getting back in the league playing like this. And especially on top of it, I mean, the Guardians, as of right now, barring the, you know, primetime game between D.C. and Seattle being a, another doozy, they're probably going to be the lowest scoring team of the, this weekend. So I do think it is a little bit of a bummer. Unfortunate for Paxton Lynch. I saw a little bit of some of the games. I watched a bit of that Roughnecks Guardians game, and I watched a bit of the St. Louis Battlehawks and the San Antonio Ramas. We'll go with that. We'll just go with that. It's football. It feels like arena football to me. It's not the most elite level. It's not groundbreaking. But it it is, if you are an absolute football fan and you have nothing else to do, tune into one of these games on a, on a Saturday on ABC or Fox, I think some of these games are on. Just tune into the games. Watch a little bit of them. See, Tell me what you guys think about it. You know, I do have a comment section. If you guys, if you're saying, Max, Max, I'm a diehard Renegades fan. I'm a diehard Seattle Sea Dragons fan. Talk about Ben DiNucci. Talk about our quarterback. Message me, and I will be more than happy to. I still haven't created our Facebook fan page that I would like to be doing soon. I will immediately be sharing that link on all of my social medias as soon as it's created. That is mainly where I'm going to be doing a lot of the mailbag fan mail segments that I'd like to be doing in the future. So once that is created, tell me about everything you want with the XFL or just NFL offseason. I'd be more than happy to share it. This is Max Sports. That was my bad uh, take on like the This is Sports Center voice. I don't know if you guys ever, it's like a background voice, but it's like the voice of our, you know, our generation. This is Sports Center. I always love that. Yeah, like and that would just get me so pumped as a kid watching, watching Sports Center growing up. But yeah, maybe I'll make that my intro if you guys like it. But as we get to our second topic of the day, we got some big coaching moves across the NFL. I think the biggest one that we all need to put a little bit of attention on is Eric Bieniemy leaving the Kansas City Chiefs for the Washington Commanders. Huh? What? I am really confused with this move. The reason why is I felt like Eric Bieniemy was a very solid head coaching, you know, head coaching candidate. He's been elite and, you know, been a part of the most dominant football team in the last five years. And he's been a part of it every year. He's been in the same role for five seasons as the offensive coordinator behind Andy Reid. Every single year, it seems that they're destined to, to be an elite offense and there were real, not really any questions for, you know, for Biennemi. It felt like he was going to be a, a main head coaching candidate at the end of every season. So what, why did he leave? Why did he not get a head coaching gig? I'll kind of try and break down everything for everybody. So he's been a staple of the, Chan- the Kansas City. Kansas City! He's been a staple of the Kansas City offense for a while now. 
A lot of people have thought that he deserves a head coaching job, but he's been passed up. And some people think that he's almost been blacklisted. Like people aren't even giving him a chance. And I'm not getting into the Rooney rule debate and any of that kind of stuff. All I'm saying is some people don't believe that he has had a chance, a fair chance at an NFL gig. Now, personally for me, what I thought was going to be the case of Biennemi was he could have been the successor to Big Red, to Andy Reid. The reason why I say this is Reid's one of the oldest coaches in the NFL. And yes, as long as him and Mahomes are together, they're going to be a dynasty. What would be better than for if Andy Reid retired to have Biennemi be right behind him to be the successor? He's been there for five years. They know the offense. Even if he's not the primary play caller, it's not like he's just sitting there cutting up orange slices. He's a big part of this offense. And so him leaving Washington, I do think surprisingly will be a loss for Kansas City. Now they still have, obviously, Reed. He's the main guy. He's the one, like, again, if you're a Chiefs fan, yeah, you might be a little bummed if the enemy's leaving, but you will take that 10 times out of 10 over Andy Reed calling it quits. That's just how it is. But it, I would be a little bummed knowing that the enemy left. The fact that he left for another OC job is also a little disappointing. A lot of people thought that he had paid his dues to get a head coaching gig. Now, I've heard a lot of speculation, and I know I already kind of briefed us on this, but some people think that he's also a bad in review. Some people think that maybe he's just not a great personality. People think he's not really fit or mature enough to be a head coach. I don't know the guy. I don't. I can't make that call. All I can say is this could help him really establish himself as a head coaching candidate, though. Why? Well, mainly because he will be the primary play caller this time. He wasn't in Kansas City. This time, though, for Washington, a team that does not have the talent that Kansas City has, they will be letting him drop and call all of the plays. And I think that this is a good opportunity for him to jump into the head coaching gig and be one of the hottest coaches. If he can turn a Washington Commanders team that honestly, offensively, costed them several games throughout the ending of the season. You could argue that if their offense was just even average, they could have maybe made the playoffs and knocked the Giants or maybe the Seahawks out. I thought that they had playoff potential, and I thought that they were in a better situation than New York or Seattle to make the postseason for a while until they slowly costed games. They have a young quarterback in Sam Howell that they are committed to, and I think knowing that the enemy took that job knowing that, he sees talent in Sam Howell. I think getting a guy like Biennemi is a great fit for a, a young quarterback like him. Now, what what is it gonna what does it mean? I will say I think it is interesting that a guy that has the resume of Biennemi needs to go to another team to prove that he could be a head coaching candidate, as I have seen guys with far less of a you know, resume just randomly pop out of nowhere and become hot coaching candidates. My own offensive coordinator for my Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson. Now, I don't know if it was my Detroit media or not, but he helped the Lions be pretty much a top five offense in the NFL this year. And he was a very hot coach. And a lot of people thought maybe the Carolina Panthers were going to get him. And part of me in my head was like, wow, that's, that's great if he gets a head coaching gig, but he's only called plays for one season. 
And yeah, they had a great season, but they didn't make the postseason. They didn't make the playoffs or win the division. So seeing that he was getting a lot of opportunities and Biennemi wasn't, it was a little weird to me. Now, again, I don't know the personality-wise. All I'm looking at is the resumes. I feel like he's a very proven offensive coordinator. I think his ability to make play calling could really elevate his potential for a head coaching gig. A lot of people, and I saw an article for ESPN talking about why would Biennemi leave for a lateral move in Washington? I don't think it's a lateral move. I think when you look at the narrative of it, I think a lot of people believe it's Andy Reid. It's not you. You're not making, you know, all of the great plays. Or it's Mahomes. It's not you. Let's remember, guys, a lot of people, myself included, scrutinized the Patrick Mahomes pick when it happened. Oh, you're taking this dude that thinks he's playing Madden and runs out of the pocket and thinks he can throw across his body for 50 yards? Yeah. And who helped develop that and make an offense? Even if he didn't call the plays, who helped design that offense? Oh, yeah. Who was it? Eric Bieniemy, who has accomplished more as an offensive coordinator than most people that have gotten head coaching jobs this year have done. It's a fact. Look at all of the Eagles coordinators that got hired. They've been there as long as Nick Sirianni has, which is two seasons. The enemy's been in his role for five. Oh, by the way, he now has three Super Bowl appearances and two rings that he can put on his hand. Oh, why would you be credible for this job? Why, why do you think you'd be a head coach? Put the rings on the table. Tell me you do that to a, you know, a team like Arizona and say, hey, here's a ring. Oh, do you guys have one of those? Oh, no, you don't. Well, let me try and show you how to get it. Now, I understand that's arrogance, and that's that's maybe how I would feel knowing that I've worked really hard in this league and haven't gotten my chance at a head coaching gig. But again, I don't think this is a lateral move. He's now a play caller, and he's escaped being the understudy of Andy Reid. If he can succeed here, I think that he gets an amazing job in the NFL, and I think he will probably be the face of coaching gigs, you know, the next coaching carousel. I think everyone will want him. I think he'll be the hot name. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I, I think it's an A hire for the commanders. I think it's an A position change. The only thing that I consider is maybe a loss for if I'm the enemy is again, if he retired or if Andy Reid retired, who else is going to be the head coach there? That's that's my biggest concern. Is he if he stayed, could he have been the next in line? Not just for a head coaching job, not the Jaguars or the next Titans head coach or you know the the I know I already ripped on the Cardinals, but the Cardinals, whatever, you know, those rebuilding teams. Or could you have just been handed the key saying, here's the best quarterback the NFL's seen in the last 10 years? Here's an elite offense. Here's all of the pieces. We have great management that brings in talent every single year. All you have to do is keep everything going. To me, that sounds like a pretty good, uh, pretty good gig. So we'll find out how this happened. You know what happens by the end of you know next year. See how his play calling is. I think this is a great hire for Washington. I think that this could bump them into wild card berth. I don't think that'll move them ahead of Dallas or Philly, but I think that this could maybe move them into uh, a wild card berth. And again. 
most, I, I can't remember the stat. I should have taken this note down, but majority, I think it's like two thirds of the teams that make the playoffs or maybe it's a third don't go the next year. It's always a bunch of fresh faces. I mean, look at some of the teams that were fresh faces this year. I mean, you had the giants, you had the Seahawks after a terrible season, you know, there were some fresh faces, uh, the Vikings, they didn't make the playoffs the previous season. Then the AFC Miami came out of nowhere. You know, there were some fresh faces, Jacksonville, there were a lot of newer teams, and I don't see why the the commanders could be that, you know, couldn't be that team next year. All right. Thank you for letting me get out that little B enemy part. I thought that was the bigger moment, so I wanted to do that as one segment. Then I just kind of want to do a little bit of a rapid fire on other coaches who have been moved around the league or other coordinating rumors that I've been hearing after that. I'll give you a few players. I'll do quarterback specific because everyone loves quarterbacks. That's the that's the main thing about the NFL. It's quarterback this, quarterback that. Nobody cares about an offensive lineman. Come on, that's boring. We want quarterbacks. So I will give you several quarterbacks that I think are in major trouble next year of being busts if they cannot prove themselves. That'll be a fun topic, but I want to get into the random moves around the NFL. So there was a big one that is for the Denver Broncos, and it's their defensive coordinator position, Rex Ryan. Big personality at ESPN. I'm pretty sure he's on their Get Up Morning Show. I see him on the NFL or I don't know, NFL Network or NFL Game Day. I see him everywhere on ESPN. But amazing personality, very experienced coach in the NFL, a defensive mind, has proven he can win at the highest point. I think that this could be an amazing hire for the the Denver Broncos. I think as a team that truly is in, we need to win or everything, everyone will get fired. I think that they desperately need a good defensive coordinator. And I think Rex Ryan, who I think maybe he's past his prime of being a head coach. He's been in, he's been in media for a while now, but could have had head coaching opportunities you're hiring a guy that could be a head coach somewhere as your defensive coordinator. I think that could be a really good fit. Um, again, we already talked about the commanders be enemy hire. Apparently the uh, Cardinals have already filled their uh, OC and DC. They've hired Nick Rellis, Nick Rellis as their DC and drew Petzing as OC. Now, again, I'm so bad at pronouncing names, so I'm definitely going to butcher these. You can always make fun of me. I know I messed up Mike Vrabel. 15, I got it right that time. Bing, 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 bing. Because I said variable probably seven times before I actually got the right thing. I like some of these hires for Arizona, mainly because they're younger coordinators. I like their potential. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I know that's like my, I need to put that on a shirt. It'll be interesting. I think these are both really good hires for a team. Again, that needs new culture change. I think bringing an old face in like a Rex Ryan or a failed head coach somewhere else isn't necessarily the right move. Don't bring in an old name to, to bring in a name. Truly bring in the guys you think are the right fit for you. That's personally what I think that they need to do to win. I think it's a good move for Arizona in in a world where Arizona has to make a lot of good moves in order to get back into, you know, what they were even last year. I still can't believe that they were supposed to be 
a playoff contender this year because watching them didn't seem like the case. And then after that, I don't see any. Oh, wait, we did have one more in my notes. Sorry. The Carolina Panthers are hiring Thomas Brown as their offensive coordinator. Now, this was an interesting one to me because the Panthers have actually taken one of my Detroit Lions coaches, which was Deuce Staley. He was our running backs coach, and he left to go to Carolina. Now, at first, I didn't, they didn't explain why. I think it was mainly because he wanted to be closer to his family, which is closer to the Carolinas, I would assume. I thought he also might have gotten a promotion, though, to maybe an offensive coordinating position for based on what he was able to do in Detroit. However, that does not look like it will be the case, though. So, I mean, interesting move. I don't know too much, unfortunately, about Thomas Brown. Um other than that, he was the assistant head coach and tight ends coach for the Rams last year. So he is under the Sean McVay coaching tree. But I don't know too much about him other than, I mean, he's a younger, he's in his 30s. He's a younger coach that, you know, that they fill their coordinator positions. This is obviously a guy that Frank Reich likes. He's mainly more of an offensive mind. So he's looking for a guy that could be an offensive guru, kind of, you know, a hot guy who... Who knows, maybe in two, three years, if the Panthers turn things around, could be a hot name to be hired to another NFL team. So I think in today's day and age, everyone wants the hot guru, clipboard, walking back and forth really fast, you know, offensive mind. Maybe he could do that. I I know a lot of people have been picking through the Sean McVay coaching tree, but I think as long as McVay is addressing talent for his staff, there'll be people to find talent off of his to fill theirs. Alrighty, everybody, for our final segment today, I have four quarterbacks that I consider to be big questions for if they are going to be busts or not next year. I think that these are the quarterbacks that have high expectations, are still younger, I think that next year could determine how they are viewed in the history of the NFL. If they go down as a busted draft pick or they go down as a successful starting quarterback. All of these guys have been drafted in the first round as franchise holders. I'm not talking about, you know, a guy that was drafted in the third round. So like uh, like the Atlanta Falcons taking Desmond Ritter last year in the second or third round. Again, I think he'll probably be the starter next year, barring they trade for Lamar. I think right now what I'm talking about is guys that are supposed to be franchise changers that I have questions for, and they could be moved or passed on or looked at as busts if they don't have a good season next year. For the first one, I'm talking about Daniel Jones. Now, whoa, Max, he just had a good season. He cut down on his turnovers. They made the playoffs. Here's the thing, though. Daniel Jones, I I didn't see a breaking news that it has gone through, but I know he had been talking about getting an extension. His rookie deal is now up. Same thing with Saquon Barkley's. Interesting thing about that, though, is look at the Giants this year. I didn't see a team that is going to elevate their, their talent unless Thibodeau becomes like a TJ Watt or something like that and becomes like a 20 sack guy or a Von Miller. I don't, I don't think they really have the assets to 
sign a ton of names in free agency. They're committing a lot to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And I think you got one of the best years you can out of Saquon Barkley. There's no guaranteeing you're getting that next year. Same thing with Daniel Jones. Unless he turns into, and I'm not saying production-wise, but I'm saying as a player, like a Josh Allen-y, mobile running guy, maybe Brian Dayball can do it. But if he doesn't get, I mean, I think he only threw for 15 touchdowns this year. And now while he still ran for more and he's, his dual threat ability is very undervalued, if he can't become a Pro Bowl level quarterback, I'm talking about probably top at least six, just in the NFC, I have some concerns because that's a very weak conference when it comes to the quarterback position. Look at the AFC. That's the one that has all the stars. That that has Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow has Tua. I'm probably missing three more guys right there. Outside of that, in the NFC, you got Aaron Rodgers, who just had a career low. You had a career low season. You have Geno Smith, who had a career high season, but he hasn't done that in a decade. You have what next? Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. That was it this year. So Daniel Jones, if he elevates his game, could be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC, which doesn't sound like much, but when it comes to just winning playoff games and getting better, that's what you need to do. You have to get through, what, three NFC teams before you see an AFC team in the Super Bowl. So if he can't develop his game and they commit money to him, that could be a big mess up for the New York Giants. Now, we've seen it before when it comes to the Los Angeles Rams. They commit a ton of money to Jared Goff and a huge extension. Realize, wow, the amount of money we paid him, we can't bring anyone else to elevate this team. And then they moved on with him to Matthew Stafford. But the same thing could be done with, with Daniel Jones. By committing more money than he's already been getting, are they able to bring in more guys? Or are they just able to keep what they have? Because keeping what they have, I think you have an over a team that overplayed, oh, you know, outplayed themselves. Maybe a seven-win team that won nine. So that being said, that is a concern for me. And if they don't, you know, I don't think they're going to contend for the division. They arguably play in the hardest one. I don't know. I have concerns for the New York Giants. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see what happens. Tell me what your thoughts are down below in the comment section. Next, he has the same last name, but they aren't related. Last I checked, Mac Jones. We're talking about Daniel Jones. Now we're talking about Mac Jones. He was supposed to be the replacement to Tom Brady. Everyone thought it was a steal when the Patriots didn't even have to trade up to get Mac Jones in the first round. I liked him out of college. I thought he was a very safe pick. I thought at you know at, at his height he'd probably be like a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott. Obviously, he's more mobile than Mac Jones, but a guy who's Anywhere from top nine to top 15, you know, in a season. And he was that actually his rookie year. He had a pretty decent year. The Patriots made the playoffs. They probably were a team that wasn't projected to make the playoffs that ended up doing so. This year, though, between injuries, getting benched, poor plays, he really fell off. I don't think this is all his fault, though. Look at the offensive play callers, the offensive coaches they gave him. You got Joe Judge, who was a washed-up head coach that was a special teams coach to start. Got his, you know, got a head coaching gig in New York. Pretty much pissed off the entire state in New York. Got shipped back, <laughs> shipped back in a truck to to New England, and now gets the offensive play calling gig. 
Oh, but no, we can't just leave that to him. Let's do the same thing with another coach in Matt Patricia, who takes a decent Lions roster, absolutely trashes it, builds a terrible team team locker room environment where everyone hates each other. Nobody wants to be there. Completely destroys the entire roster and then gets fired. Goes back again. Gets catapulted out of Detroit, lands in New England. And what do you know? He's helping Joe Judge with the offense. So two guys who are not offensive play callers, not offensive coaches, now are calling plays and you wonder why your second-year quarterback is struggling. So I don't think it is all Mac Jones' fault, but he could be a bust based on the fact that his team could be failing him. I know everyone loves the Patriot way. Everybody loves, oh, Bill Belichick, the Patriot way, the Patriot way. Yep, you got a lot of rings, and I will give you credit for that. But what have you done for me lately? We're in a league of what have you done for me lately. And if you if you don't have three good seasons in a row, most people get fired. Here's your problem, Patriots fans. I don't know where you're at with Belichick, but do you see the team getting any better? Look at how much money they committed to free agents. Look at the age of your team. Look at the, the absolute dumpster fire of offensive coaching staff you've done. Bill Belichick is running your country club now. Instead of really bringing in new, young, innovative minds, he's hiring his own his own dumpsters, you know, dumpster fires. Two guys that butchered two different franchises. Yeah, sure. Call plays for my new young quarterback I'm developing. How well did Joe Judge when he was in, in, in New York, how well did Daniel Jones look when he was the head coach? How well did the Lions offense look? With a now Super Bowl winning quarterback in Matthew Stafford, how did that offense look when, you know, Matt Patricia was the one, you know, not calling plays but hiring offensive coaches? Messy, disgusting, sloppy. They should not have gotten offensive uh, offensive jobs. They should honestly not have gotten coaching jobs. They both should have been getting his, you know, Belichick Starbucks order and running around being the intern for a bit before they got offensive play calling abilities. And I think it rubbed off on Mac Jones. This isn't his fault, 100%. Because at the end of the day, when I say busts, a bust, I think, is a team thing, not just a player thing sometimes. Now, yes, you'll have your Ryan Leafs or your Jamarcus Russells where it's just pure laziness or attitude that gets you out of the league, but sometimes it's injuries. I never thought he had elite stardom potential, but I loved what I saw when I was a kid watching Robert Griffin III. He's a bust. It's unfortunate to say that, but look at the assets in the capital that Washington gave up to move up to two and get him. And the fact that he only really had one good season and then never was the same player again. Yep, that is a bust. Is it his fault? No, his knee exploded in a playoff game. That's not his fault, but he is a bust. It's not fair always, but Mac Jones is trending down that way if his coaching staff keeps failing him. Let me know what you guys think if you're a Patriots fan. I've kind of been off of the Bill Belichick train for a while now. I don't think it's just, oh, Brady made him. No, he's obviously a very established coach. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's arguably the best to ever do it. I do think, though, what happens with a lot of coaches is when they get the lifetime contract, they get lazy. They kind of help out their buddies instead. 
instead of bringing in new minds, they run a country club. I've seen it with my own sports teams before. I've seen it with other sports before in basketball and baseball. And I think it's happening for the Belichick regime. I think they're getting lazy. I think they're, you know, like I said in the last episode, I think they believe their own farts don't stink. And they do. They stink really bad. And that was their offense. It stunk up a storm. I think, look at some of the plays that they made. On offense, I know it was a fluky play, but how you lost to the Raiders, you could argue that costed you your playoff, you know, your playoff appearance. That fluky Raiders play where the receiver throws it back to Mac Jones and then he gets stiff-armed into the earth's crust while a defensive guy runs all the way back. That's a boneheaded play. That's that's butt-fumble bad, guys. And that's the um, unbeatable regime, the Belichick, the Patriot way. Really, the Patriot way is having a quarterback that looks like he's had nothing but Gogurt and Ritz crackers as a diet his entire career, that's the one guy that you're going to put back there to try and stop a defensive guy intercepting a pass. Come on. This is ridiculous here. So I have a lot of questions with Mac Jones. I don't think he's the greatest athlete. I don't think he has the greatest ability when it comes to throwing. I thought he was a good prospect, but I felt like it had to be the right fit. I thought that was the Patriots, but I'm starting to question that. As we get into our next quarterback, This is actually a surprising name, I think, to some people, because I think some people believe he is a star in this league. And unfortunately, I do not believe in that. That is the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields. What he can do with his legs is elite. I will say that. He torches every team with his legs. In designed runs or being able to scramble out of the pocket, it is a fun thing to watch. It is must-see TV. When it comes to his arm, whoo. Uh, boy, I don't believe in that. Now, why? The main thing with Justin Fields is I don't think his arm is 100% there yet. And I think this is the year where he needs to make that, again, Josh Allen-y leap. And I'm not saying he has to be Josh Allen. I'm saying he needs to make that leap into a Pro Bowl, All-Pro quarterback. They don't have the receiving threats and the you know, the real weapons that other teams do. They have a decent run game. I like uh, Ty Montgomery as their running back. He's a very good rusher, but their O-line is not amazing, and they really don't have an elite, an elite receiver. You arguably gave up uh, due to the fact that the Kansas City, or not the Kansas City, the Miami Dolphins had to forfeit their pick due to legal reasons. You pretty much gave up a first-round pick for Chase Claypool, who, yikes. Look at some of the receiver trades in the last few years. You could have got a better receiver for less draft equity, or you could have just drafted a better one. I didn't like that trade at all. I don't think that Fields really has a weapon to throw to, nor do I think he has time in the pocket. And on top of that, I don't think his arm's ready. I think the offense is going to be the biggest problem for the Chicago Bears because a lot of times in games, even games where Justin Fields balled out, a lot of the times... The game is already over. Their defense gave up so many points. There's a lot of holes that the Bears need to fill. One of those is getting elite weapons, obviously, for fields. But another one is making sure he doesn't get his head taken off. They need to get a better offensive line. They need to get weapons for him. And then they need to fix their defense. 
Now I'm saying that is like one, two, three bullet points. Like it's nothing that's going to take years to do. I do think it is more important as of now might sound ridiculous to some. I think it is more important now for them to address the offense because it is easier to draft and coach defense than it is to address a new quarterback, scout a new quarterback, you know, and, and start over on an offense. So keeping fields, addressing him, getting a stud receiver, get him, you know, if they trade out of the pick, get him one of the elite receivers, get him a Quentin Johnston out of TCU in the NFL draft, get him an elite receiver, go get an offensive guard or offensive tackle in the draft. That is how you will find out if Justin Fields is the guy. Because right now, I don't think he gets enough time in the pocket. And while I love his scrambling and running ability and his designed runs, I also see a guy that tries to extend plays way too long and it ends up costing turnovers, whether he's fumbling because he's getting hit on a bat on a weird way, whether he's making a first and 10, a second and 16 because he's running backwards to avoid a tackler and gets hit, or he's throwing interceptions. He's not an elite passer. And he doesn't have to. I think his legs can help you win games, but he needs to at least be a competent passer. And I don't think you figure that out with the offense they have right now, but I also think he needs to work on it and become a better player. If they don't do it, you could question, you know, if they keep fields and it doesn't work with these picks that they got, whether it's the first overall pick or whatever they end up doing in the draft, I think it maybe will come down to eventually, depending on how these rookies, you know, end up being Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. I think you could argue and say, hmm, what could have been the Chicago Bears? They have moved on from Justin Fields and taken one of these rookies. Again, only time will tell. We will have to find these things out as it goes. I would love to follow the Justin Fields story because I think some people believe that he's not even going to be in Chicago much longer. I think he stays. I think that they try and address the defense and, again, get him weapons. I think that's the best plan for Chicago. But, again, if he can't turn things around next year, I have a hard time believing that he's got any future in this NFL. Even if he gets future years after, you could say he's on the line of bust right now. Maybe I'm a little extreme. I've heard some people argue otherwise. I think most of those people are fantasy football players that like to see his rushing stats instead of seeing how he actually affects games. Finally with it, though, we have Trey Lance of the San Francisco 49ers. I actually was a huge Trey Lance fan. I was hoping my Detroit Lions were going to be able to get him uh, the year we traded Stafford, I believe. And I really wanted Trey Lance. I thought he had, honestly, I thought he was a better prospect than Zach Wilson, the eHarmony hunter. I thought he was a little bigger. I I kind of thought he was a Josh Allen-y, Carson Wentz build, where he's a, a guy that could run, extend plays, use his legs, and then have a, a cannon for an arm. The reason why I have him on the bust list, though, is mainly just the fact that he hasn't gotten playing time. He didn't get a lot of options in San Francisco his first year, mainly because they still had Jimmy Garoppolo and they wanted to develop Trey Lance. But this year, they handed him the keys to the Ferrari and he broke his ankle. And on top of that, he didn't play great in the time he did play. It's it really sucks. Because again, he's a guy that shows like still shows so much potential. And you wonder, knowing that 
I think San Francisco's playoff window is closing faster than a lot of people believe, knowing Trent Williams is getting a little bit older. And, you know, some of their pieces are going to be hitting free agency in a couple of years. And the fact that they haven't been able to find a quarterback, that's another concerning thing. They've they just had so many injuries this year. You really can't commit to Garoppolo because he hasn't been able to prove, one, that he can get over the hump and win the Super Bowl. But he also proves that he can't stay healthy. He's missed several times. I mean, his first season in San Francisco, he missed the majority of due to injuries. He missed, you know, a crucial part of this season due to injuries. You honestly wonder what that playoff team looks like if Jimmy Garoppolo plays. I think they get through Dallas a lot easier, and I think that that Philly game is a much closer game. Now, I don't know where they're going to be addressing the quarterback position. Are they even going to give Trey Lance a chance? Brock Purdy won't be able to play, most likely to start next year. And while he had some highlight plays, I don't think that he was fully ready to be a full-year starter. I thought he could have had maybe a Nick Full story and been, you know, surprisingly take them to the Super Bowl, which would have been a fun story. But I don't think that that's something that's going to be the case. I... I don't know what happens with Trey Lance. I feel like, I mean, this is going to be his third year in the league as a starter now. Well, second year as a starter. Third year in the league, and I don't think we know any more about him than we did the day he was drafted. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I I mean, I didn't get the local game the day he broke his ankle, but I barely got to see him play on the, on the football field. And I love his potential. But you got a guy like Brock Purdy. Jimmy Garoppolo's probably gone. Well, you might have to bet on Trey Lance. And you wonder, because again, I know it was early in the season, but San Francisco did lose a football game to the Chicago Bears that Trey Lance started. Their offense was not as smooth as it was later in the season. Now, you could also say that's because Christian McCaffrey was on the team, and I understand that, and that makes a ton of sense. But... I am worried about Trey Lance. Like I said, I think all these guys, if they don't prove it next year, could be busts or labeled as busts as their careers come to an end. Remember, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, they were both traded up for. And then Mac Jones and Daniel Jones were both first-round picks. I'm excited to see them play football. I think out of all of them, I'm most excited. Most excited to see Trey Lance. I am worried, though, what's going to happen to these four next year. Because even if they play decently, an example, the biggest one for me is Daniel Jones. Even if he plays decent, he needs to play an elite level to outplay his contract. That's how you win in the NFL. You have more guys outperforming the money you're paying them. That sucks to say it like that. It's not the nicest way of saying it, but it is true. Jalen Hurts outplayed 90% of the quarterbacks in the league this year, and he was paid less than most of them. That's how they are able to afford Indomitian Sue and Hassan Reddick and have Darius Slay and all these big names and trade for A.J. Brown and sign him to the biggest wide receiver deal. That's why. And all of these guys, either on rookie deals or getting, you know, going to be extended soon. And if you don't give your keys to the right person with your car and they crash it, they end up being busts. Tell me what you guys think. I'll do a poll question. It'll be, what quarterback are you most con- uh, mostly concerned for 
I'll give those four. Or which one do you think could be a potential bust? That'll be the poll question, mainly because that way you have to listen to my whole episode because it's the last segment. (laughs) But on top of that, I think it's the most interesting segment. Let me know what you guys think. I'd love to see what the poll question is. I will keep it up from today until the end of the week. So seven days from right now. Today is Sunday as I'm recording. So it'll be from Sunday to next Sunday. I would love to see it, and I will address the outcome of this poll question uh, once that ends, so on that next episode. With all that being said, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Take care.